Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to a new year here on the podcast. We are officially one year old. Um, When God Breaks Through has turned the corner and we are moving into year two. And I am so excited to welcome you to the table. And I'm so honored that you would come week after week and sit with me and we would learn together what it means to be a a mother who is walking warrior-like. We understand who we are because of who God has made us to be. And we are firmly anchored in the truths of the gospel. We're going to talk today about where we are headed. But before we do that, I, I want to share something with you. I want to share my heart, something I've been struggling with over Christmas. Um, I was really wrestling and struggling with where does this podcast go and where does my ministry go and God, what do you, what would you have me to do and how would you have me to do all the things I believe you're telling me to do? And the Lord began to teach me a truth that I thought I would open this podcast with because I think that many of us may struggle with this truth in our motherhood. And that is, I really want to know what's going to happen. I really want to know how my kids are going to turn out. I really want to know, like, I want to be assured that I'm not going to mess any of this up, um, which is a lie that we've addressed before, but it still is something I wrestle with. I really want to make all the right choices. I want to lead everybody the right way because ultimately I really just want everybody to be happy. I don't know if any of y'all can relate. So all of that though, if you, if you can't relate, you probably have great wisdom and can say, Bethany, that is never going to work. But if you're trapped in it, sometimes like I am, you can begin to get on, um, I call it I think of it like a hamster wheel where it's like I am idolizing outcome. And I call it that. I mean, in my head, it's my little phrasing. I just call it the idolatry of outcome, Bethany. You're you're really pursuing how things will turn out. That's what you want. And right now we're living in a world where we don't know how things turn out. Like nothing feels very certain. And I think really what's happened is our eyes have been open to something that's always been, which is we were kind of living in a, in a space in a time five years ago where just, we all believed we were kind of fooled into believing that things were as they were, and they would always be the way they were. And now some of that is being pulled off and we're seeing the truth that life is fragile and Things are shifting and changing. 
And for me, what the Lord really began to teach me over this Christmas holiday again, and I am one of these people who have to relearn the same truths over and over and over again. I can't get it once and carry it. I, I just can't. So I'll you'll hear me talk all the time in here about the importance of re-teaching yourself the gospel, re-telling yourself the truth of God's love and his mercy and his grace so that it will flow off your tongue to someone else. But that's because we oftentimes will forget. But for me, I forgot that God is near. You see, what happens is I'm so concerned about what is to come. And so I am, God, what's going to happen? And and why is this? And what's going on here? And and are you going to fix that? And when is this ever going to get right? And when is this ever going to get better? And tell me how much longer. And I forget that God says, I am near to you. I am the God who is near, is my name. And over Christmas, I was studying the names of God and working through that with some friends and began to look at a listing of scripture verses where God goes, I'm near to you. I'm near to you. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God, God far away? And he's going through this litany of, uh, they're almost, it's, he's using this rhetorical place here where he's, he's making what is in essence supposed to be an obvious thing. So he's, so it's like saying, you know, it's obvious that I am a God that's at hand, not a God who is far away. And then Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. And then Psalm 73, 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Romans 8, 31 through 39 is the, the beautiful statement from Paul that says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Christ is near to you with deep abiding steadfast love. But I forget that. And maybe you do too. And maybe you're coming into this new year and you're worried about what is to come or you're concentrating on what is to come or you're trying to fix so that what is to come is better. And honestly, like, you know, my bias now over these past five or eight years is just setting new ideas for the new year really is me bowing at the idolatry of outcome versus surrendering to the one who is near me and saying, God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to be? So it's different for me in that. But what I wanted to share before we unpack where we're going with the podcast this year is that when I began to study these scripture passages and my heart began to break yet again with conviction that here I am yet again, God, back on the hamster wheel of worrying, feeling alone, not knowing the answers, worrying about whatever. Some of my, it makes it obvious for me because I can get angry really fast. I can get unbalanced. I can be impatient. I can 
be selfish. I can feel apathetic where I just kind of feel like I'm removed from my family a little bit. Like I'm just walking around in my own bubble, but I'm inside my family. All those things are signs to me that I am worshiping the beast of outcome. And God began to say, Bethany, I am near to you. And you've forgotten that. And I am walking in these moments with you. And my invitation is for you to walk in these moments with me. Not be way down the road trying to finagle a different outcome. But be actually in these holy moments. In Psalm 73, I was struck by the wording as I began to study it. And you've heard me say on the podcast that I can get a little nerdy. I like to go back deep into, and this is Old Testament, so into the Hebrew a little bit and look at it. But Psalm 73, the psalmist says, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. And the choosing of God as refuge which is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, I have made the Lord God my refuge. I am, I am choosing God as my refuge in this moment, in the unknown. I am choosing instead to be in his refuge is secondary to that first phrasing. But for me, it is good to be near God. For many, many I mean, probably every time I've ever read this psalm, I've read it and said, yeah, I need to choose to be near God. Because I've read it at face value where I thought it said, well, I better, I better get near God because that's going to be good for me. And what I wanted to really quickly teach you and flip maybe a little on its head for you, maybe it will encourage someone else here today, is that this wording is the psalmist saying, God is near to me, and that is good for me. So therefore, God is my refuge. Not, I need to be near God, and I'll choose to make God my refuge. But it is good for me because God is near me, and he is my refuge. You see, God is already near you. He is already right beside you. In fact, in the verses preceding this, the psalmist says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. When I began to really unpack this, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when my heart is grieved, I am, I am senseless and ignorant and a little brutish before the Lord. I'm whiny, I'm fussy, I'm angry, I'm, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm worried. I'm flustered. I'm trying to handle it all on my own. I am the beast before the Lord. And he, though, says in the next verse, yet the psalmist said, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. It's not I hold you, God, with my hand. It is God holding us with his hand. You see, you and I 
are hot messes more than we're not. At least I am. At least I am. I should say that. And over Christmas break, over this new year, realizing again that most of my mental outlook was, how can I be assured the outcomes I desire in my parenting, in my marriage, in my finances, in my ministry, in my personal life, in my health, in my fitness, in my, you name the area, and I am finagling to get a good outcome. And God is near to me. And if you are like me in that, and you are at all wrestling with feeling alone in it, and feeling like you have to handle it, and worrying and wondering, I want you to understand something, that while you are a brutish beast, God is holding your right hand. He is lovingly caring for you. He is offering to be your refuge, and he never withdraws from you. So as we come into this new season, what amazes me about this passage of scripture is that because the psalmist recognizes God's active positioning next to him, that God is actively positioning himself near and holding his hand. Do you know what his response was? His response is that famous passage that we sing where it says, who have I in heaven but you? There's nothing I desire except you. Do you see that when we begin to understand and really dwell in the light that God is near to us and he is holding our hand and he wants to be our refuge, your wrestling will turn to worship It has no other place to go. So if you are at all wrestling in this coming into this new year, if you are at all wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? I invite you to take a little bit of time and take your wrestling arms and your wiggling legs and your racing mind and your, you know, just your anxious heart and take it all before the King of Kings who promises he is near to you. You don't have to choose to be near to him. He is already near to you. And feel his hand around your right hand. And identify that he is your refuge. And he will work in your being to make your wrestling turn to worship. That's where I've been as I'm trying to set the pace for where, where is this podcast going, Lord? And I want to share with you a little bit of where I think it's going, where I think God's leading it. I'm excited. I want you to know that my heartbeat for this time and the, the time I pour through this microphone is really for you to sit with me at a table Like in my head, I can just envision welcoming you into my house and you bringing in your Bible or bringing in a notebook and me having mine and getting coffee and talking and laughing. And you could tell me a funny story about what one of your kids did today or a heart story that 
maybe a place where you need prayer and we could do that and it would be real. I have done that in so many times over so many years with so many women and I desperately would love to do that with each of y'all who listen. And as I sat with the Lord with that desire, I believe he's laid out what this year is going to look like. It's going to look a little different. Um, And I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm excited because I believe what he has in essence said is, then let's pretend like she's walking in your kitchen. And how would you walk with her? So friend, we are going to begin walking through. If you had asked me, Bethany, will you spend some time with me? Will you spend some time um, helping me, teaching me? Can we spend time together praying? Can we spend time together learning? Yes, that's what we're going to do over the course of the year. It's going to be um, purposeful in the idea that we will, over the scope of 12 months, go through key concepts. We are going to go through them in a way that I believe will crack open if your child is a toddler, a teenager, or anywhere in between, and that you will have practical ways to take the gospel truths that we're going to talk about, and though we're going to put it inside of real life application, so that you go, yes, I can actually confidently walk through my days, wherever your kids might be, whatever ages they may be. And I'm a, I am growing and learning and applying truth to my everyday moments. My goal at the end of this year will be that there will be stories that will come out of this year of women going, I mean, I began to understand what mercy actually is. And I'm able to talk about it with my kids and I'm able to apply it when they break a plate or they slap their brother and I'm able to make it come alive to them because it has become alive to me. I am praying that there will be real life, beautiful ways that we understand interpreting fits and temper tantrums and teenage tantrums and rebellion and those things with gospel eyes so that we can speak gospel truth to our kids. I am praying that at the end of this year that there will be remarkable stories of women who say, God, God did that. God broke through. God broke through in my family, in my heart, in my children's hearts, in my marriage. God broke through. And I am praying that at the end of this year, there will be women who say, I understand walking behind the victorious one in victory. And I am refusing to believe the lies the enemy wants to assail me with. And I am standing anchored in truth. But what we need to understand is that we have got to recognize where we start. 
Most of us start, me included. I have lonely days. I feel inadequate. I'm discouraged. I feel defeated. You know, just even in the, with everybody being home over the whole holidays, I can really feel defeated. <laughs> but we're certain, you know, things are happening in my home and, you know, defeated in my own life. In my own motherhood, I'm like looking at myself from the outside going, you're a hot mess. That's not good. And yet I need to, and I bet you need to reorient to what the gospel says. You see, the gospel of Jesus says that you can be confident in your identity, that your identity is not linked to your performance, but it is linked to a savior. That there was mercy and grace poured out over you, peace and joy offered to you to be growing up through you because of an exchange that Christ did. But we live every day on a battlefield. We don't know this. And I know I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it mainly because I have to remind myself, Bethany, this is a battlefield. Your mind is absolutely being assaulted. And so if we do not grow wiser and more discerning, then we're more easily, we, then we get deluded and confused and tricked. Colossians warns us about this, that we need to be wise so that we're not easily confused. But it's a battlefield and the enemy is seeking to destroy you and destroy me. The reality is the reason the enemy wants to destroy you is because he knows that you are the primary vehicle for the gospel to move through you into your child's life. And you need to know this, and I'm going to say this strongly, but understand your sacred privilege, the invitation God has given you. He has given you this beautiful, holy invitation to be his representative, his agent of reconciliation for the children you mother. We need to own it. We need to embrace it. We need to understand it is our calling. We can have a lot of callings, but one of them is this. So I am a writer. I'm an author. I am a teacher and I minister to women. Those are callings on my life, but I am a discipler of my children and a primary vehicle for the gospel to be displayed in front of eight young beings. And so what is the best way to destroy eight children's vision of the gospel? But for me to get off track, to lose sight of the fact that I'm on a battlefield, to choose not to battle, to maybe just get sidelined and get in the fetal position or anything in the middle. Just get apathetic. Just to say it's too much. I can't do it anymore. Any of those things are ways that we get sidelined. And our enemy has been seeing mothers for centuries. He's good with his flaming arrows. So let's stop thinking that he's a gnat, like here in South Georgia, that you can just 
you know, flick away with your hand. He's not. Nor, though, do we stand in defeat. For we stand behind the victorious king. So we just need to learn how to fight. And we're going to do that this year. And then we need to redefine our motherhood as warriors. It's a weird word. I know some people go, it's a weird word. I'll be honest. I have lived through some massive spiritual battles in my home and it's no longer weird. It's not. So the first thing we have to do is we have to understand God's vision, his vision for motherhood, his vision for each of us in our identities, his vision for womanhood. And then we accept the invitation he has given us. And we talk about this a lot. You see it all over all my things. You're not called to be perfect. You're not. You can't. And God's not holding that standard up. But he is calling you to be surrendered to him. So when we begin to understand his vision and we accept his invitation to walk with him, letting him hold our right hand, as Psalm 73 promises, then we begin to understand our moments as holy. And again, another phrasing that's pops up all the time, but it is in my head all the time, is the holiness of the immediate. That This immediate moment is holy. Not that I am bound to performance, but that I am understanding that I am a warrior with a battle. And I am, for the most part, as I'm raising young children, the warrior for their lives too, until they stand beside me on the battlefield. And so finally, after we understand his vision and we accept his invitation and we begin to see our lives differently, that there is a holiness of each immediate moment, then we begin to study our children with his eyes. We become students of our kids. We begin to say, well, what is what does this child need god what is this child struggling with what are, how does the gospel come alive to this little one and then we begin to walk and equip our kids and we're going to talk a lot about that this year it's time we've done a lot about understanding different ages and stages and we're going to talk a lot about equipping them We offer them hope and we offer them vision because again, part of walking, you know, Christ never talked with the disciples only about today. If you look at his walk with his disciples, those he discipled, he's constantly going, let me tell you what's coming. Let me tell you what's coming. Let me tell you what's coming. And so when we walk with our kids, it's, let me tell you, let me tell you the hope. Let me tell you the vision. Let me tell you where, where you're going. Let me tell you what God offers. Let me tell you your future, how you could be part of kingdom living and kingdom work. And we learn to pray. You see, we have eyes for our kids. We begin to equip them. And we become fierce prayer warriors on their behalf. And we're going to talk at length about that this year. 
How do we pray for all the different things? How do we pray for when we're not sure if our child's saved or not? How do we pray when they say they are? And then we're just confused. Like, how do we pray when we see a child wrestling through faith walks? And they're really not where they used to say they were. It's confusing and we don't know. How do, you know, there's so many things. And y'all have been so good at sending these things in. And so many of them are things that have happened in our own home. So we're going to talk about those things. How do we pray? And how do we discipline them? How do we discipline our kids? This world is full of opinions. What is God's? I think God says, you know, you're going to discipline with life-giving perspective. You're going to paint a long-term vision. And you're going to endure with your child as they walk through learning. That's how we discipline. And we're going to really break that out. What does it mean to speak in Christ to our kids? To discipline them speaking in Christ. Because that's what Paul said. He said, we speak in Christ to you. So we're going to learn how to do it. And we understand that this isn't just a journey that happens inside of our own home. And I think this is a huge piece that most of us are really struggling with. We need to understand that we do not journey singularly. We do not even just journey if we're married with our husband. That this is a journey where we are called to lock shields one with another. To, you know, and in scripture, they would, when they were warriors on, and they were on the battlefield and they had these huge shields that were body-sized shields. And, and they actually did lock in place with the shield next to them. They became a wall. And understand that that is important in motherhood. You need a wall. You need a wall of prayer warriors who are on their knees for your child. You need a wall of women who will hold your arms up when you're tired and you can't do it anymore, who will keep speaking truth to you, whether it's about your marriage, about your motherhood, about your work, about who you are in Christ. Like, you need that wall. We need to realize the importance of one another. And it can't be, it can't be like last place. It can't be like, well, maybe I'll get a friend. It's got to be like, no, I'm pursuing this. Like I'm hungry for it. And part of community and friendship is vulnerability. And vulnerability is really, really hard in the church these days. So we're going to address it, talk about it a lot. In little bits and pieces and in big bits and pieces. But this is our direction. And we're moving if we walk together through these things. You see, if we, if we begin to understand that fighting against fear, whether it's your child who's struggling with fear or you are struggling with fear, it is a fight. It is ruthless. It will abate even for a season and come back with a vengeance. And so we need to understand how do we do that? How do we mother 
with a child who is anxious or fearful? How do we mother if we are anxious or fearful? How do we do that in victory, yet in a battle? And part of that is we do it with one another. In the show notes for this week is a manifesto and screensavers. It talks about these concepts in little phrases. I would encourage you to download that manifesto um, or the screensavers or both or pick the screensaver you like. I don't care which one speaks the most to you. That's the one you got to learn. But I want you to understand these are rooted in scripture. And last year we talked about them at length. We're not necessarily going to break them down again this year. That's not what we're going to do. But we are going to take them and begin to actually apply these concepts into our everyday life. So that when we wake up and we're making oatmeal for all of our kids. That there is a part of our brain that is actually understanding our lives. Not just as the oatmeal stirrer. And the person who puts the ice cube into the little person's oatmeal so that it stays cool enough they can eat it. But we understand who we are before God for this child in this moment. Because we need to have both. But when we have both, when our mind understands the spiritual side of our motherhood, then this physical side of our motherhood, ah, we can rest in. We can worship in because we understand that God is our refuge, that he is our strength, that he is near to us like no one ever in this life will be, that he is the most faithful, trustworthy, steadfast, grace-filled, mercy-giving God. And that he is for you and me and for our children and for our families. And grace begins to be our anthem. And our hearts can rest instead of wrestling with the outcome. So that's where we're going this season. Or this year. It's not seasons. I'm not going to do seasons, I don't think. But I just want you to know I'm excited. I'm excited that you're coming to the table. Uh, As always, subscribe. It's probably the easiest way to come to the table. Um, Leave your reviews. That helps so much for other people to find the podcast. And know that I am honored that you would come in my house and grab one of my coffee cups and sit down with me. And we could talk these things out because I'm right there with you and God is good and faithful for both of us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose 
Have a grace-filled day.